Hello and welcome to Super Bowl week. One of the most exciting weeks of the year, of course. I am Adam Levitan with establishandrun.com, joined by Evan Silva, joined by Michael Leone for a betting extravaganza show. We will be talking props. We'll be talking about the game. We'll be busting general balls. Evan, Super Bowl is here, buddy. How are you? Doing well, man. Doing well. Essentially, took a vacation last week. Uh, got to go to the Bills-Chiefs game. Really tried to rep Leone hard. You know, I told every Chiefs fan that I encountered that I bet the Bills uh, to win outright at plus 155. They hated me, but I did root for the Chiefs uh, throughout the game um, just to make sure I didn't get beat up. And then, um, you know, I made it out alive. And, you know, I... I lost money on the game, uh, but I, I had a, a good overall week because my biggest position was Bucks over 23 and a half uh, points. And hopefully we can have um, another at least, you know, in the green or, or profitable week. I, I think this is, you know, as we talked about last week, I think you need, really need to treat these weeks as you're, you're solely playing for fun, because even if you look at the prop bet market, I think everything is very efficient Um there are no very few situations that really stand out as hardcore edges. And if, even if they do, like they're going to get bet back into, you know, efficient position by like tomorrow, even if we, you know, were to bring them up. Um, but, you know, it's always fun to, I, I think you just, you just set aside, you know, whatever your budget is 50 bucks, 150 bucks, maybe 500 bucks. And, you know, you, you pick your bets and, you know, let's, let's just have a fun time this week. Yeah. Well, speak for yourself, buddy. I'm in for a lot more than 500. And I think, and I think, and I think, that, and I, and I think that there are maybe some edges. I think at the beginning when the lines first come out, there's some pretty soft stuff. Like you don't normally get a market like Byron Pringle receptions, unless it's the Super Bowl, Right. And so they're, they're giving out props on stuff like this, which they wouldn't normally give out for regular season game. I think that's one thing. Then I think, as Evan said, in the middle of the week, there's kind of a dead zone where things are kind of efficient. And at the end, once the public comes rushing in, you know, on Saturday and Sunday morning to fire off on all the overs and all the all the fun stuff. Then I think at the very end, there's some value too on props. Anyways, Leone, master of math. Good evening, buddy. What jersey are you rocking tonight and how's it going? I got a Priest Holmes jersey. Mm. Got to go to KC, even though I'm still in mourning a little bit from the Bills game. It's pretty surreal to me that they were even playing in the AFC championship game. Just basically a, a week ago but uh i'm doing well i'm excited for the super bowl and it's you know like silva said he took a vacation last week it's a little bit less stress for us compared to the previous 18 or so weeks this year yeah for sure evan you're on mute hey i wanted to give a shout out to like the bills fans by the way um bills fans like online can be like real annoying at times uh, with the the Bills Mafia stuff, and I mean, they're, they're just like a segment of their of their online community that can be really annoying. But man, the Bills fans in real life, first of all, they represented at freaking Arrowhead. I mean, I'm telling you, it was at least fifty percent Bills fans because all the all the seats are red at Arrowhead, and the and the Bills fans were wearing blue. And I'm telling you, it it stood out. And I mean, even if you were just walking through, you know, the the you know, the place where you, you know, first of all, it's easy to get a drink, which is nice because like 20% capacity. So, Hey, if you wanted to go get, get a drink, you have to miss a quarter to go get a drink at Arrowhead. But 
Uh, but they were also very, very respectful. I mean, they got a little cocky when the Bills went up 9-0, mm-hmm. but they were st- but they were very respectful. I mean, they're very, they were very down to earth. Totally not what you see from Bills fans or really any fan base on Twitter. Uh, they they were super, super cool. They represented their team extremely well. Um, I also th- thought that the Chiefs fans uh, were were super cool as well. Um, it was just it was a great, great atmosphere to watch a football game. Um, and also, by the way, the, the like, <laughs> I don't know, some people will find this interesting. Uh, the first thing that I, I encountered as, as I walked through the doors after tailgating, we, we watched the uh, Green Bay, uh, Tampa Bay game, like in a tent out, uh, out tailgating before. And then once that game was over, we walked in. Josh Hawley, uh, the senator from Missouri, we're not going to get political here, you know, uh, controversial figure at best and an insurrection at insurrectionist at worst uh he was the first guy that we encountered uh, as, as we walked in so I, I thought that that was kind of interesting but either way you know just a lot of a lot of moving parts at that game and um I'm so that was the first playoff game NFL game that I went to in real life since NBC had me go to the Jake Jake Cutler uh, against the Seahawks game um in uh, it was so it was so long ago where Jake Cutler like sprained his MCL yeah. and everyone called him a wimp for not going back yeah. in the game um, but yeah, if you ever get to uh, get a chance to go to an NFL playoff game, do not pass that up. Yeah. I haven't been to an NFL playoff game since I was at the, uh, Redskins at the time Seahawks playoff game where Robert Griffin, the third actually blew out his knee and kind of like ended his career right there. I was so close to him, felt bad for that, but yeah, zero desire for me to go to a NFL football game. You gotta be out of, you gotta be out of your mind. Okay. I went to cam versus Kaepernick in Carolina. Uh, that was pretty uh, cool. That is cool. Oh my goodness. Well, no, Adam, you would enjoy going to a game with 20% capacity. Right. right. I'm telling you, because right. it's not, there were no fights were breaking out, you know? Yeah. It, yeah well, it let's, was, let's be honest. The real reason I don't want to go is I'm afraid I'm, for my safety. I'm afraid I'm going to get beat up. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not up for that. I need you with, I need, I need you with me as my, as my bodyguard. Hey, I would protect you. Um, okay. On today's show, we're going to first talk about the game in general, how we think it's going to go, who we think will win, how they'll win, where the mismatches are, et cetera. Then second, we'll talk about some of the individual player props that, you know, as fantasy players, we know we have an edge on on a full slate. We'll talk about some of the issues with the Super Bowl and then, you know, things like receptions and yardage. And then finally, we'll go over some of the props that you only get on the Super Bowl, things like some team stuff, MVP, silly things, et cetera, et cetera. So let's start with the game here. The I think the widest line, the, the widest available line right now is Kansas City three with a little bit of juice. So it's like three minus 117 or so. Total is around 56, 56 and a half, I think is the widest available line from a health perspective. I am tentatively expecting Sammy Watkins back. Patrick Mahomes, despite the turf toe, practicing in full. CEH, even though he didn't play for the final uh, one plus quarters of that AFC championship game, he's practicing in full. However, Eric Fisher, and I want to get Evan's take on how important this is, Eric Fisher Blew out his Achilles, left tackle for the Chiefs, of course. He will be out. On the Bucks side, Antonio Brown is a go. Ronald Jones should be closer to 100%, so relatively healthy. I did want to note, report today on Demarcus Robinson, close contact, COVID. Doesn't actually have COVID, close contact. It's been this season, the pattern has been that these guys get cleared. Assuming there's enough time, it looks like there is enough time. So I still expect Demarcus Robinson to play in this game. I know people think that doesn't matter, but when you're grinding props on some of these guys who are uh, very, very thin and very, very small roles, Marcus Robinson actually matters a lot. Okay, let's get to the game. 
the Chiefs, you know, as great as they are, it seemed like down the stretch they were kind of like coasting in. I mean, they only covered once in their final eight games of the regular season, did not cover against Cleveland. Of course, when Holmes left that game early, the, the divisional round game, they did cover against the Bills. I think the biggest edge to me that the Chiefs have, because I think overall talent, and Evan can correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, overall talent, just position by position, I think the Bucs probably have more talent, but the Chiefs have Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek. Obviously makes a huge, huge, huge difference. And also coaching edge to me is big. I mean, I like Bruce Arians. He seems like a good dude. I like how aggressive he is. But from a pure game planning, X's nose, I would take Andy Reid over Bruce Arians like a thousand times out of a thousand, and it's not even close. So, Evan, what do you think about everything going on in this game? How do you think it's going to go? Who do you think is going to win? What do you think about the coaching edge? What do you think about Eric Fisher? What do you think about it all? Yeah, I just I, – I, I think that we need to really highlight the fact that this offensive line issue for Kansas City is significant. Um, there are ways that, you know, they can get around. I mean, first of all, this is, this is Andy Reid coming off a bye. Uh, Andy Reid is one of the best, you know, offensive – uh, schemers in probably NFL history. Um, Patrick Mahomes is maybe the most talented quarterback in NFL history and may someday grow to become one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in, in NFL history. Certainly early in his career, he's been one of the most accomplished uh, young quarterbacks in league history. I think that, you know, the combination of uh, Travis Kelsey and, and Tyree Kill is one of the best one-two punches in the passing game in, in recent NFL history. And so they're, they're talented and they're extremely well coached. Uh, with that said, I think that one of the reasons that their offense did not fire on all cylinders, and we've talked about this you know, quite a bit is, is, this year, is the fact you know they were not top three in scoring. I think they finished sixth or, or something like that. They, and, and they went over 40 one time all year. Um, is because of their offensive line. I mean, Mitchell Schwartz is their best offensive lineman. He's been out since you know, for a very long time. And I, I don't, there have been no indications that, I mean, he's not coming back this week. No. Eric Fisher tore his Achilles in the uh, AFC championship game. And that was a massive, massive loss. They're going to have to turn, I think, believe, I think to Mike Remmers, a journeyman who has been dealing with a back injury lately uh, to replace him. They lost Kaleche Usemele, who they were uh, relying on to be a starting guard uh, around week six or so. And they're facing one of the best pass rushes in the league. The, the Bucks rank top five in sacks. They rank top five in quarterback hits. They rank top five in blitz percentage. And Patrick Mahomes has historically been very, very good against the blitz. However, that has been with a better offensive line than what he's going to have on Sunday. So um, I don't know. I, I, I think that that is the biggest, you know, the biggest storyline of the Super Bowl from like an X's and O's in the trenches on the actual field, uh, you know, standpoint that that's the biggest storyline that we, but, but at the same time, like Andy Reed knows that, yeah. you know, it's not like Andy Reed doesn't know that. And, you know, he's going to be surprised by this, but um, you know, are like, what, what can the chiefs do to counteract that? I think getting the ball out of Patrick Mahomes hands as quickly as possible is one Tyreek Hill. I think, he's gotten better every year where he's really got, where he's really made a, a big uh, step forward this year is like how he, he can be dominant on short on quick hitters and he can be dumb. They, they really have not had a screen game uh, with their running backs this year, which has been a staple of Andy Reid's offenses uh, throughout, you know, over the course of time with LaShawn McCoy and Brian Westbrook, they have not had that this year. 
Uh, but they have had a, a screen game with Travis Kelsey, which is rare. You know, tight end screens have been not, a, not an efficient play over the course of time, but it's very good with Travis Kelsey. And throwing short passes to Tyreek Hill is something, and that's an area where he has started to really excel this year. So I don't know. It's really interesting from a, a matchup standpoint. I'm, I'm interested to hear what, what Leone has to say about this. Yeah, I would say, Leone, this line, uh, I think a lot of people are surprised. You know, I think the public was like, man, I can't believe KC is only minus three. I think, generally speaking, the public is on KC, although I don't know that for sure. Line has not moved a ton, but I think people generally want to bet on offense, want to bet on Mahomes. They want to be on the Chiefs. What do you think of this line when it came out, and what do you think about the game in general? Yeah, I was surprised it was KC minus three. I'm still surprised it hasn't moved a little bit. I, I do wonder if we underrate KC in the playoffs. You know, two years in a row last year, you know, all the talk was around Baltimore and, and how awesome they were in the regular season in DVOA. And this Kansas City team is just built for any scenario with Mahomes. You know, they can play from ahead. They can play from behind. They're one of the top teams in the league in pass rate over expectation, which is always plus EV for any team, but especially when you're led by, as Evan Silva said, perhaps the most talented quarterback in NFL history. So the only real concern in this game is the line stuff. And sometimes I do have, you know, a little bit of a blind spot in, you know, evaluating the impact the trenches is going to have on the game. It's a little bit more difficult to assign specific player values. You know, what's that going to do to the efficiency in the passing game? It's such an unknown uh, with that said, I still feel like, you know, if this line were to be wrong, I'm not saying it's wrong, but if it were to be wrong, I think it'd be more likely to be wrong in that Casey mm -hmm. should be favored by more than yeah. that. It should be, you know, closer to an even spread and totally agree. And one of the things I learned last playoffs too, I felt like is having this macro view of how good a team is and not getting to kind of drill down into the specifics and the trends in the short term. Cause I know football games, small football is a small sample size game, but we're on year three of Casey being a dominant team with a dominant quarterback, a dominant coach, a dominant offense and Tampa Bay. There is still a little bit of uncertainty as to how good they really are. I think they're a very good team. Levitan, you said it that, you know, player per player, they might even be more talented, but I just have a higher degree of confidence in Kansas city. You know, this is the third straight year that they're, you know, almost yeah. in the Super Bowl two years ago, of course, you know, the, the D Ford offsides would have made three in a row if had that not been called. So yeah, I, I'm on KC minus three here. You know, do feel like maybe I'm being a little bit of a dummy and discounting the old line stuff too much, but that's that's my lean. Yeah. And I said the same thing ahead of the Bills game. You know, I thought that the Bills were decent value at plus three and a half, but the range of outcomes, like how variant the Bills are going to play is way wider than how high than the variance that the Chiefs are going to play with. Like they're always going to play a pretty good game and they can play an absolutely elite game, which I thought, you know, it, it turned out they did against the Bills uh, coming down late. Um, I think that this so has been one of the key like characteristics of or the key aspects or the key factors behind the idea that, Hey, when you're going to build an NFL team, build it to be offensively, uh, you know, uh, built, you know, build toward your offense because offense year over year as football outsiders has shown as PFF has shown, um, you know, is it, it's much easier to, to sustain a really good offense year over year than it is to sustain a really good defense year over year. Number one, number two, um, you know, when you have an off, when you have a really good offense and you can just put up, you know, 26 to 30 points on a consistent basis, you know, I mean, even this year, again, the chiefs only got to 40 once all year. They, they were not at their dominant 
level usually, they were still an awesome, awesome team, probably the best team in the NFL. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's the approach that the Chiefs have taken, and, and I think that that backs up what football outs, outsiders and PFF ha- have shown us. Yeah. For such a dominant team, too, they're very patient. You know, they'll take what you give them. You know, we saw that against the Bills where they just peppered Kelsey in the zone defense the Bills was trying to play. Uh, earlier in the year versus Tampa Bay it was the opposite. You know, they gave them the downfield stuff and Tyreek Hill went absolutely nuclear and, and they took it. So they're, you know, they don't, as good as they are, they don't get, you know, too prideful to, they don't have too much hubris, I guess, you know, they'll, they'll do, they'll find the mismatch and they'll exploit it. And they have so much talent, you know, across the board with Mahomes and the scheme that they have. And even the speed on, on the secondary guys, I think Sammy coming back too is like low key, important you know he's a very good receiver yeah we'll get into that in a second i i think a point that you made about playoff chiefs i want to talk about for a second because these lines are all coming up through models that take into they're weighted towards the back half of the season but they're still weighted towards the regular season and so if you want to say hey the chiefs are able to flip a switch and maybe they are that that would be a reason that I think a good reason to say, Hey, I'm on chiefs three there. Not only is their floor higher, but also their ability to flip the switch is just, as we saw um, much more likely. And with that said, I want to ask Evan, if you think the regular season game between the chiefs and the bucks has any bearing, because that was one of my personal best weeks of the season. I actually was like, I played Tyreek Hill and cash. And when a lot of people, he was only like 10% owned in cash and the dude went absolutely nuclear. And that was all part of, you know, in the long run, it was bad because I was playing Tyreek Hill over Kelsey line. It ended up being expensive. But in that one week, it was really, really good. People had Kelsey. Uh, I had Tyreek Hill. But Evan, you know, one thing Tyreek said was, well, after the first quarter, they put Carlton Davis on me and they gave, showed me more attention and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't think Carlton Davis is really any real impediment to uh, Tyreek Hill. But what do you think the first game that these two teams, what can we take away from it, if anything? Yeah, I think that the answer is the same uh, after we, you know, we saw in the the championship week. I mean, both of those games had been already played in the regular season. And I mean, it's, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot. It's it's fun yeah. to look back and it gives us a little data point, but it can be misleading, you know, as, as easily as, as it can be uh, leading leading us in the right direction. So it's something to talk about. But, you know, that's that's about it. I think that at the end of the day, like what we really should be taking away from, uh, you know, how these teams performed is just, you know, who they are as, as, as football teams and how, and like, like Tampa Bay um, elevates the uh, expected pass attempts of their opponent because they play lights out run defense. They're getting back Vita Vea this week. Who's like a 350 pound, you know, immovable force. Got him back last week. Yeah. Yeah, but he, he was, I think he was a little limited. I think yeah. he's going to be, you know, closer to 100% after the two weeks rest. Um, and I just, you know, and we've seen at, at times this year, we talked about it, uh, you know, intermittently over the course of the year that the, the Chiefs would just be willing to say, hey, you know, not wave the run and let's throw the ball a ton. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's exactly what they should do against Tampa Bay. Now, not so, and, and I, I think that that would, you know, again, I think that the Chiefs or the Bucks are going to be able to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and I think that Patrick Mahomes can end up dropping back a lot. And if you could find like some good sack props oh, yeah. on Patrick Mahomes, about, oh yeah, we're on it. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, good, <laughs> oh, good. Because yeah. um, I, I haven't been able to find any on on DK Sportsbook yet, but I yeah. look every, you know, I look every twenty minutes. Um, <laughs> you know, so, but yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, that's the kind of, but that that's the kind of stuff you got to start to think about. If we're gonna, I think we're gonna get a lot of dropbacks from KC here. Right. That that benefits, you know, catch total props from, um, you know, little guys. Uh, it benefits, you know, catch catch total props from pretty much everyone. So don't just think about it in terms of, you know, how many pass attempts is Patrick Mahomes gonna have? How you know how does that leak down to his pass catchers? Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. We we'll get to the player props. I want to finish up here on on the game here quickly I, I will say this uh if you want to bet the chiefs i think and i don't know for sure where the market's going to go but i would bet it now if you want the chiefs i think the most likely outcome is that the chiefs line goes up as we get closer to kick it's much more likely than it goes down you're not going to get any chiefs two and a half no matter what anyway so you can find a three flat somewhere i think that's the bet if you want to be on the chiefs leone have you taken anything in the game you said you're on chiefs minus three have you bet it yet did you get a good line yeah, I, I mean, like minus 120 at minus three, yeah. which I think you said it's it's available for better right now. Yeah, and, you can get minus 117 now, yeah. And I don't you know, want to spoil the sack prop too much, but as much as the, the offense is more important in this game, having watched that Buffalo KC game, the Chiefs D-line got after it, and they were able to cover because they were getting pressure without blitzing. And I went back and checked, and with pro football focuses tracking, the Chiefs got 23 pressures on Buffalo in that game. Buffalo, the previous two playoff games combined, allowed 19 pressures. So they allowed more, four more pressures in that single game than the previous two. And Tampa Bay so far in three games has only allowed 27 pressures total. So if that KCD line can get after it, you know, we've seen Brady have a pretty up and down year. I know it's been more up than down late. Uh, and, you know, I do have to take some some pride in Brady doing well because Lavatan's been chirping in my ear all all year about how dusty he is. But yeah, no, Brady's been great. I mean, Breeze was the one who was completely dusted. Uh, you know, but <laughs> yeah, but, but Brady, but Brady's been great. Uh, Evan Walters, fresh out of Sing Sing. Have you taken anything in the game yet? Not props. Have you taken anything in the game yet? Team totals or just straight on the game? I have, I have. Um, I'm still riding the high from taking the Bucks team total over at 23 and a half last week. I'm jumping back on at 26 and a half this week. Definitely do not have the level of confidence that I did uh, last week, but I still like it. I, last year, I, last week, I loved it. This this week, I I I, I only like it. Um, it's 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 efficient, you know. I, I think everything's efficient. I'd say if you want to be an over better and I mean, it's, it's, I think it's easy to envision the chiefs beating their team total at 29 and a half. It's easy to envision the bucks beating their team total at 26 and a half. And then if both of those happen, I mean, it correlates really well with, you know, there's the game total at 56 or whatever, you know, whatever it's at right now. So just hitting all the overs <laughs> is, um, is, is something that I would do. Uh, you know, if I wanted to, if I wanted to try to treat this as a money-making opportunity, but I, I really am trying to treat this as a for fun opportunity. Yeah. Uh, but as we get closer to the game, I'm sure I'll, I'll start to get a lot more. I'm, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to get aggressive tonight. Like let's, yeah. let's, let's not play. Uh, <laughs> Did you take either side of the total level 10? So I haven't been on the games yet on the, on the game yet at all. I, I think, you know, from talking to you guys, I think I'm going to try to find a good chiefs line here and try to bet it soon. Um, it sounds like we're all in the Chiefs, which is a little bit scary. I mean, there, there's definitely ways that the Bucs can win that win the game. I, definitely through getting pressure on Mahomes, using their really talented defense to limit the offense. And then you can run the ball on 
the Chiefs, man. I mean, Chiefs, you can definitely run the ball on them. And I think that's one way. We'll get to that when we get to the player props. But yeah, I think you can generally move the ball on the Chiefs. And then if you have, you know, in retaliation, a Chiefs offense that decides to run the ball 11 times and throw the ball 47 times, that's going to be a lot of, you know, incompletions that stop the clock or, you know, passes that, you know, and then the dude goes out of bounds and, I mean, you, you got to think about, you know, how how is th- this game going to be infected, uh, affected by the clock? I mean, can we get a 38-35 game? Sure. Well, th- all that's built into the model, and Leone has yeah. projection for pass attempts and plays run. Is it elevated, Leone, off of seasonal averages based on the model for both pass attempts on the Mahomes side and total plays run in the game? And by the way, we, there are, you can bet on, like, this is things you can bet on the Super Bowl that you can't bet anywhere else. We're going to talk about plays run uh and stuff like that yeah we i mean we have both teams throwing quite a bit tampa bay is more above their seasonal average and pass rate because they they've been pretty high in pass rate over expectation and now they're in a high total game as an underdog which generally inflates pass attempts so i think we get more of an inflation on the tampa side than the kc side and pure pass attempts and the part of me kind of liked the under in this game with you know, how well the Chiefs D-line played last week and then their O-line having issues. But because of the pass rates for both these teams, I feel like it's sort of a wash. I don't really like either side of the total. Okay, let's get to our bread and butter. The game is not our bread and butter. Player props, however, are because as fantasy and DFS players hardcore, we are very in tune with player usage and player performance. The first one I want to bring up is relates to the Kansas City Chiefs pass catchers. And this Byron Pringle line I found on Caesars, which, you know, is run by uh, William Hill book. So any William Hill book had this line. It was Byron Pringle under one and a half catches plus 130. Since I bet it and I wrote about it on the site, uh, it is now under one and a half is minus 140. So the market has gone our way in a big way. The bottom line is that when Sammy Watkins has been active this year, and again, I expect Sammy Watkins to be active, Byron Pringle has hardly played. And what they've done is when Sammy's been out, Pringle has taken the Watkins role and the roles of Demarcus Robinson and Miko Hardman have not changed. And so I expect the roles of Demarcus Robinson and Miko Hardman to stay the same again. But if Sammy plays, Pringle is the one who takes a back seat. So I was really happy to get that one off. I thought that was one of the best bets under one half plus 130. It's now minus 140. Uh, Evan first, do you think, assuming Sammy is active, how much do you think Pringle plays versus say a Robinson or a Hardman? Yeah, well, I've got about 67% of my matchups article written and the only, and you know, one of the portions that I left out because I just wanted to get a little more information on Sammy Watkins. And as you know, I get more information, the public gets more information and, you know, we get less of an edge. Uh, I've been kind of putting that off, but I, I just, I would rather listen to you and Leone talk about this than me because I, I have not, you know, I delved sure. into like all the, you know, all the other different situations and not this one. Yeah. Okay. Leone. I, thought this was absurdly plus ev bet if you know sammy does indeed play i guess that's sort of the bet is this if sammy's active but the reason i think this is a really plus ev bet pringle in seven games with sammy watkins has one catch on one target and it was in the game that sammy left versus the raiders early so if sammy plays you're a heavy heavy favorite and if sammy doesn't play pringle has you know 12 catches in six games which is you know, sort of right around the line, especially if you're getting plus money on the under. So it seems like you have a lot of outs. And even with the money line odds on that switching from plus 130 to minus 140, I still feel like 
it's a pretty good bet. You know, if yeah. you feel confident Sammy's going to play, I, I would still take the minus but, 140. Let's be honest here. Byron Pringle sucks. Okay. So even if Sammy Watkins is out, we can still win this under like Byron Pringle is not, not, not very good. Like he's very rarely catching four, four balls in this game, even if Sammy's out. So yeah, you know, I, 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 that was one of my favorite ones. I know the juices moved a lot. I want to bring that one up. Also uh, the other one in Kansas city pass catcher is the Sammy stuff. So there's a lot of ways that Sammy can go under here. Maybe he's limited. Maybe he aggravates. Maybe he just pulls a Sammy game where he's under. And and right now you can get under three and a half catches. It's minus 134 on DraftKings. On the William Hill books, it's over two and a half minus 150. So they're kind of splitting the difference there. I would prefer the under three and a half minus 134 on DraftKings. I know we have him projected right around there, Leone, but I think there's more paths to downside on Sammy Watkins again. Aggravation. Uh, Sammy Watkins simply not playing well or Sammy Watkins limited. I mean, dude hasn't played in a while and was actually limited, limited DNP last week. So assuming that he's active, um, there's a chance at least that he's limited. What do you think about the Sammy under stuff? I think you make a good point in terms of the range of outcomes. Like there's a lot more ways this goes wrong for Sammy than it goes right. But I think, you know, we've got him just under four catches with a somewhat conservative target share. So I'm a little bit torn. I don't love it. Yeah, I guess it's for the people who got it in good at Pringle plus 130 on the under one and a half. In a way, it's a decent hedge where you've got a decent chance of actually winning both. But if for some reason Sammy's severely limited and you lose your Pringle bucks, there's you're, you're going to win the Sammy bucks. You know, it seems sure. unlikely you're going to lose both of those bets. Yeah, to be clear, we're not advocating hedging in props. I think that's that's pretty weak, but I do think not, not straight hedge, not straight yeah. hedging, but I know if you, you mean, have an opportunity I... for if you think both bets by themselves are like decent, right. I could see taking them, you know, the, that gives you a little bit more confidence and maybe putting some extra on both. Exactly. And that was kind of my thing when I was thinking about putting in the Watkins one, I was like, man, I don't I I want to give myself a chance to win both. And I was thinking about how often I can I can win both. And I thought it was thin, but I still thought that, you know, the Sammy one was good in a vacuum. And so I just wanted to mention that one as well. Let's talk about some of this completion percentage stuff that you brought up. The, this is the kind of stuff you don't, you only get in the Super Bowl. So Tom Brady, 62 and a half completion percentage over is minus 130. And then Mahomes under 70 and a half completion percentage is minus 137. How are you thinking about projecting completion percentage in this game versus others? I feel like, both of these lines are overly driven by the recent sample in the playoff sample. You know, if you look at Brady's completion percentage game log, he's been at 55%, you know, three straight, essentially. I don't think, I think the rest of the year he was under this line maybe twice. What's it? It's at 62 and a half percent. Yeah. 62 and a half. Yeah. So in what, 20 games or so he's been under, five times it just seems like a really low line for completion percentage this is the one one of the ones that really stood out to me and it's i think it's based in in, the 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 line is based almost entirely on recency bias where his if you look at his last few completion rates you know individual game completion rates they've been like in the 50s but we know that that's not tom brady's game i also think that the bucks in this particular game could use the passing game as a means of like moving the chains and, and keeping the, the chiefs offense off the field and trying to control time possession. And in that scenario, a lot of high percentage throws. 
Yeah. So well, it sounds I, like you guys are on opposite side. But, but Leone's on the under sixty-two. No, 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 no. I'm I'm no. on the over. Sorry, I might have oh, missed. I'm, I'm just saying he's only gone under that number five times all Gosh. year. Yeah, and, and that and, includes and, and the all last the times three. that he's gone under have been like recently. Yeah, yeah. three of the last yeah. three. He's gone under five times all year, but it's been three in a row. And yeah. it's but gotcha. on the season he's at almost sixty-six percent. Like that's a lot of leeway. We have him at 63.7 percent so not way over but that feels like there's more room to be above than under sure. it and, seems and, like a and, good and, 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 and in a prop week where i don't i don't think there's very many edges i think this is the one of the best ones and it was this is one that i i, I bet like quickly yeah okay okay good brady yeah. over 62 and there was and another uh brady like uh, uh efficiency stat prop I can't remember what it was, but I don't know. I'll write about it in matchups. It's uh, it's sort of along the same lines, I want to say. Okay. I do have to point this out, too. So the Mahomes line's at 70 and a half. The Brady's line, Brady line is at 62 and a half. On this season, in the regular season, Mahomes was at 66.3%. Brady was at 65.7%. Now, you know what? That's what it was, Leone. It was the matchup. It was the... It was the can can Brady have a bet higher completion rate in this game than Mahomes? Absolutely, he can, and I think you get that at like really plus odds, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't see the specific odds on that okay. one, but if you're getting really plus odds, I mean, we we do have a much bigger gap than the season's been, so I do sort of get where the lines coming from, but th- these lines are too bloated each in each direction. So I would take the under on. Mahomes 70 and a half. And again, I think it's recency, you know, in the playoffs, he's been at 70% and 76.3%. But uh, yeah, I I would take the under there. That's just a really, really high line. And if we are factoring out all the early Tampa Bay game, you know, they were encouraging him to throw the ball a little bit more downfield, which, you know, higher ADOT is going to give you with a lower completion percentage generally. Yeah. Okay. Let's move and, to and also, I mean, can the fact that, you know, we probably should expect the Bucks defensive line, which is, I mean, again, the, the Bucks defensive front is loaded compared to a Chiefs offensive line that is, you know, far from that, you know, flustering Mahomes and, you know, uh, bringing down his uh, efficiency in this game uh, to work in our favor with a, a prop bet like this. I, I think that we can kind of count on that. Okay, I like that one. I'm going to take that one when we're done here. Um, let's talk about Chiefs running game because it's muddled here. And I, I'm curious if Evan has a take here because Lev Bell's coming back. I kind of think Lev Bell may not even play, like might play like maybe a couple snaps. I can't say that for sure, though. The bigger question to me is CEH started that game against the Bills. CEH was the main back early in the game. He took a big shot on like a hospital ball from Mahomes in like, I don't know, what was that, like mid-third quarter or something like that? And he never came back, but he was really bad before that. So I don't know if he was benched because he got shook up on that play or he was just so bad. Either way, Daryl closed out the game. Evan, do you have any takes here? Because I think there's some value. If you think that Daryl's the man, there's certainly some value here. The market is kind of assuming that it's going to be an even split or CEH is actually ahead. So what is your take on the Chiefs running back situation? Yeah, I mean, they, I think that they really have no clear commitment to any of their backs uh, at this stage of the season. Um, the health of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire remains in, you know, weekly question. Um, he's practicing in full for what it's worth. I mean, that may be worth nothing, but he's practicing in full. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Uh, 
Dar- you know, and I still think that Daryl Williams is the running back that they trust the most at, at this stage of the season. And hey, yo, you're facing, you know, the Buccaneers who blitz at a top five rate in the league and get immense pressure and they don't trust any of their other backs to pass block. So, you know, and I, a lot of fantasy analysts are like, yo, pass blocking doesn't matter and, and all this stuff. But like it matters to coaches. It, it matters to, to quarterbacks, you know, and um, that that's not me, you know, trying to point in the direction of Daryl Williams. It, it, I, I think the, the, the direction to point really is in the direction of unders on all these dudes. You know, if you can get any reasonable unders on rushing attempts, rushing yards, like they're also facing the best run defense in the league um, with their, their offensive line, just in, in, in tatters. Um, I, I think there's every reason, you know, this is assumption of rational coaching stuff, but still, like, I think it makes every sense, you know, all the sense in the world for the, for the chiefs to drop back Mahomes 45 times, try to get the ball out of his hands quickly, not even mess with the running game, you know, just try to get the ball into the hands of the playmakers, Tyree kill, uh, Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and not, you know, not, not have anybody top like 10 rushing attempts. And I mean, it would not surprise me as Evan alluded to, if the chiefs take the same approach that the bills took in that Ravens game, where it's just like YOLO, we're going to have zero rushing attempts. And that's why I, I don't know. I mean, not only is it muddled, but also the efficiency is a big question for me from the chiefs running game. And so, but that said, the market, is onto that as well. And that's why you can get some really low numbers. And I know Leone, you wanted to talk about Daryl's oh, some Daryl overs on some really low numbers. Daryl over two and a half catches is plus 155. Daryl over rushing receiving yards is 45 and a half. Daryl to outrush Leonard Fournette is plus 155. These are all, I think, thin because they assume some level of efficiency and some level of commitment to the run. And they also assume that it is Daryl in least a one A role or one B role with CEH. So it's a lot of assumptions for me but what do you think about the Chiefs stuff yeah I mean it is rough to Evan's point we have the Chiefs running backs for a combined 17.3 carries so that's not very many running back carries and when you start divvying it up between two potentially three guys it is thin I just think the market here is assuming that Le'Veon plays a little bit more than we're assuming and also assuming that you know CH is the 1A and Daryl's the one B particularly in passing down stuff. You know, even last week we were thinking Daryl would play in passing down stuff and maybe it's driven because he only had one target, but you can get him over 12 and a half receiving yards. You get a really good. Let's go. Yeah. You you get a really plus one fifty five on over two and a half catches. You know, I think he had, he only had one last week, but he had four, two weeks ago. So it's the, and I'm scared now. Evan's going to put all some money out there. Williams but I got somebody to blame when it's wrong though. I'll be tweeting at you if it, if, it, if it doesn't work. The concern is that CEH started that game and it seemed like they wanted him to be the guy and it just wasn't happening with an additional week off. Do they go back to that? And can he handle it a little yeah. bit more? That's the concern, but in my head, I'm thinking, Again, we kind of thought Daryl would, if you don't want to mess with the rushing stuff, fine. But we kind of thought Daryl would be there on passing down work anyways. And yes. he was effective closing out that game. So I don't know. And Levitan, you pointed out, we're not sure, you know, did CEH leave that game dinged up or was he just ineffective? I mean, there might be some yeah. uncertainty there. So uh, you can, and the I think the rushing and receiving prop combined is like 40 something yards for Darryl, 45 and a half. Low. Yeah. 45. And if Casey puts on, 
you know, the gas in this game, there, there's going to be opportunities there. So I, I like it a little, I wish there was one really good way to bet it, but um, yeah, I'll say, I'll say two things about this. First, Daryl Williams has been the guy they've trusted in two minute, four minute, third and long for the entire year. And so I think some of that stuff makes sense, even if they still want CH in there. The thing I would say though, like prop betting 101, when things are volatile and muddy, you want to be on unders, not overs. And so this stuff is probably a pass for me um, just because like, you know, when guys, you know, we're doing, been doing the NBA props and stuff. If there's like any volatility question about a guy's minutes range or something like that, it's just like, you know what? Uh, if it's not an under, uh, we'll just pass on it and wait for a better spot. So, so yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think that Daryl is okay, but I'm probably going to pass on those. Um, for what thing, 12 and a half receiving yards, man. Yeah, do the receiving props because then you've kind of got dual outs, right? You know, if yeah. it's the Daryl show, you're going to win easily. If it's not the Daryl show, you still have we, outs we, on him we, playing we, the pass. You can do though. overs on, on Mentor and do unders on Edwards Hilaire and just, you know, get filthy, right? Yeah, a little correlated, like, you know, correlate, correlated props. Just wake up the next day in your chain math. <laughs> chain math. <laughs> Yo, did you see he's running for? Uh, or he wants to replace? He wants to be the next governor of California. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's a whole other ball of worms, man. I, I found it fascinating, worms, yeah. but it, but it is ball it of is worms. A ball of wax, can of worms, can of worms. <laughs> um. Okay, Bucks running game. So. So, um, listen, if the Bucks win this game, you know, I think there's going to be – let's, let's put it this way. If they play from ahead or neutral, the Ronald Jones stuff is underpriced because when they're ahead – like, Ronald Jones is going to play on zero passing downs. Like, it's very clear. Leonard Fournette's going to be in for those. But in, in games where they're ahead, they're ahead or it's close, I think Ronald Jones could see the same amount, if not more carries, than Leonard Fournette and probably be around the same – I think. And so in those scenarios, like if I was betting bucks to win, if I was betting Brady MVP, if I was betting other stuff that are leaning towards the bucks winning, I think the Ronald Jones over stuff makes sense. You can get Ronald Jones. Leone pointed out, you can get Ronald Jones, most rush yards in this game at plus two seventy five. I think that's okay. And if you think also that, um, that Rojo is ahead of Laren Fournette, you can get Fournette under 11 and a half carries, which Leone pointed out as well. Evan, do you ever read on how, the Bucks are going to play their backfield here. I think it's pretty clear that they're not going to use McCoy or Keyshawn Vaughn. So really it's a two-man backfield. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that Fournette is pretty safe. I mean, I think he's, he's played pretty well. Uh, I think that they, they, they trust Ronald Jones to the extent that he can be, you know, an early down change of pace back uh, and, you know, rip off some efficient runs. I mean, he, he looks good, you know, at times uh, as, as a runner, just as a pure runner. But, I mean, he, he has no passing game functionality whatsoever. He has one target since week 14. He has, you know, had the finger surgery. Again, you know, his, his lifelong history going even back to high school is that he's not a receiving back. Um, I, I think – and then I think that, you know, if they get into passing – I mean, since week 14, I believe – Ronald Jones has one target and Leonard Fournette has 27. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. It's very so, clear that they're not throwing the ball because right. a, he's not good on pass downs, B the finger, C the quad D right. he's coming off COVID. And then like, they get into scoring position. Like their best play down at the goal line is definitely the Tom Brady sneak. And their mm -hmm. second best play is, you know, probably something in, involving Fournette or, you know, just like a jump ball to Mike Evans. 
it's not a handoff to Ronald Jones. Yeah. Ronald Jones probably not even in the game. Ronald Jones is small. He's a relatively small back. He's not super small, but he's he's definitely not a big back. And um, I they've come this far. I think the Fournette has earned Tom Brady's trust. Okay, sounds like Evans on the other side of this stuff than you. Uh, and then uh, if they we, fall behind, oh, like, then it's Ronald's not, not going to be Ronald. Play. It's over. It's oh. over. You know, if the if so, the Bucks fall behind, Ronald Jones like won't play at all. Right. Um, so, go ahead, Leone. Defend defend your buck. Well, defend your Bucks running back props. The Rojo plus two seventy five for most rush yards. I think he's the one guy that if the game went a certain way, it would be Rojo. You know, if Tampa Bay wins this game and they're playing from ahead, it's probably going to be a Rojo game. He's probably going to lead uh, the, the game in rushing yards. I think, as you said, there's some correlation there to Tampa Bay winning, whereas, you know, Daryl and CH are so muddled. And I think for net, you know, he's used more in the passing game and rushing if the game's like, they're they're behind or they're yeah if they're behind so but that's more of a fun bet i think if you're gonna bet i wouldn't bet the rojo over so much as fernet unders you know the rushing what was the carry 11 and a half carries we have them at 10 i just see different routes for him coming in under here i think one route is tampa bay wins this game and we see more rojo in terms of percentage of carries i think another route is yeah Fournette plays a lot because they're playing from behind but they just throw you know from behind the entire second half and there's just not a lot of rush attempts to be had period so I do like some Fournette unders I feel similarly to the Daryl thing where I like the Daryl overs a little bit I like the Fournette unders a little bit it's tough to find a single bet that is great I do want to point out that people should keep an eye out on inactives I know last year I think it was Max Steinberg made a really sharp bet on a Matt Breda under zero and a half catches or something when Jeff Wilson was active for the Super Bowl for San Francisco. And it became clear that Breda would be the fourth back because guys that are active, but don't play the unders hit. So, you know, maybe when you find out which active, you know, back yeah. is third for Tampa Bay, I'm not sure if they'll be on the over unders, but the Super Bowl gets pretty degenerate. Like everyone's listed everywhere. Um, just keep an eye out on that. And same thing for Kansas City. You know, if Le'Veon Bell is inactive and we know it's a two-man show and maybe you can jump on some of these Daryl overs that were uneasy on, they might look a little bit better if you know Bell's inactive. I'll be careful. Uh, read the rules of your book because at a lot of books, guys do have to play one snap for the okay. bet to count. Um, if they play zero snaps, it's a void bet. It's a push. So, um, but yeah, check your book. There's different ones. That's a really good point. Yeah, I'm glad you said that after I told everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I didn't want to make it you know sound like I really like Fournette overs. I haven't bet any Fournette overs, but I do think that he is you know the the dude right now in in Tampa's yeah. backfield. And I think that Ronald Jones is just an early down change of pace back. And and we're gonna do the DFS show tomorrow. If you guys are looking for stuff on DFS and the showdown slate, and, and obviously Fournette is a far 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 better play than ronald jones on the on the dfs late let's um, all just celebrate the fact that we're in the super bowl and the highest over under for a carry for a running back is 11 and a half and let's also celebrate that none of us were donkeys enough to draft leonard fournette in the second round <laughs> in our season longs all right I, I did a radio uh like show or something on on, on sunday and uh the the guys on the host on the show uh, we're like, you know, oh, this one's a layup, Adam. Travis Kelsey over 94 and a half receiving yards. Like he gets 100 easily. And I was like, you know, on these big numbers, there's way more paths to downside than upside. So I, I get it. You know, uh, Travis Kelsey 
has been absolutely dominant this year. Maybe the best season ever from pass catching perspective for a tight end. I think the matchup is fine. Evan can talk more about that, but you have to actually lay money. You have to lay minus 140, I believe, to get Kelsey over 94 and a half receiving yards. I know this is one that a lot of people are looking at, so I want to get your guys' take on it. Evan, what's your take on the Kelsey 94 and a half number? Again, the over is juiced. How do you think he matches up here? Doesn't matter. I I think the matchup is fine. Um, I, I'm with you. I Not that I'd bet the under, but I it would just be a pass for me. I wouldn't be like, you know, excited like the radio show hosts were to bet, you know, I mean, you, you need him to get like to 100 yards almost, you know, and that's that's difficult uh, for any player, you know, let alone a, a tight end. Um, love Travis Kelsey, but that's not a, that's a prop that I would I would be like, you know, I would not wave it. Yeah, I, I think it's a pass for me too, Leone. Sounds like you have some interest in the under, though. You can get plus 120 if you're willing to go under 94 and a half on Kelsey. Yeah, we have him projected for 93.7 yards right around there. A lot of times our stuff runs a little bit hot and sometimes guys mean projections are greater than their medians. I don't think that's the case when you're projecting a guy for this many yards, especially the way Kelsey gets them uh, because you know, there's only so much room for him to go over. There's actually more room for him to go under. So I do think the median mean are probably pretty similar for Kelsey around here, but man, just to, to get plus money on under 94 and a half receiving yards Maybe I'm not thinking this through clearly enough, but it seems like, you know, with odds of in-game injuries and just natural flow of things for any player, for any player at 94 and a half, this feels like Randy Lawson is prime. I mean, yeah, this feels like the correct line. If he was guaranteed to be healthy the whole game, right? Not miss any time, play every single snap. This would be a 50, 50 line. So if you're going to give me plus money, Plus, you know, maybe some injury equity or just missing some time for whatever reason, you know, I'll take the plus money. I don't like love the bet though. I don't think there's this yeah. huge gaping hole in the line. Uh, I've lost enough money on Travis Kelsey for one year. This is going to be a pass. <laughs> this is going to be a pass for me uh, for sure. Um, okay. I wanted to bring up before we get to the game props, I, I know people love to bet the uh, odds to score first, odds to score last. These markets are so incredibly juiced. And Leone actually ran the math on just how juiced they are. Obviously, a lot of these bets are around 10%, uh, 15%, which, you know, is a lot, but palatable. Leone, tell the people what you found by running the math on how these odds to score first, odds to score last markets are juiced. So the hold, the total hold on DraftKings Sportsbook for odds to score first or odds to score last is 29%, which basically means the implied probability of all the players adds up to 129% when obviously it, it should add up to hundred percent. If there was no rake or anything, that's really high. If you're betting sides, you know, the hold on a minus 112 minus 112 is, you know, five and some change, 5% and some change. So that's really high. Now that happens in futures markets because, or, or in markets like this, because it's just harder for them to price them correctly. And if you do take out some of the, you know, absolutely egregious plays or guys that might even end up being an active, that hold gets down, you know, maybe more to 23, 25%. But it just goes to show you that uh, there's, there's not, a guy would have to be priced so wrong to be a good value because we know the market as a whole is, like a minus, pretty minus EV bet. Yeah. yeah, and those are fun bets for sure. I just wanted, I thought it was important for people to understand that uh, those markets are definitely not for making money. Like they are juiced so, so, so hard. They'd be impossible to beat uh, no matter what. 
Okay. Last thing we're going to do is some of these game props. And by game props, I mean team sacks, total TDs, MVPs, anything else you guys want to talk about. I want to start with the sack stuff because I think that is the best stuff. We alluded to it earlier. I took total sacks in the game uh, was four. I got over four at plus 100, even money. Now it has gone up to over four minus 110. Obviously, I think that there are going to be sacks on the Tampa Bay side. You have to, you had to lay a lot more juice on the Tampa Bay side. I saw over two was like minus 140. You can actually get now total sacks by the Bucks over two and a half is minus 115. But I did feel good just about total sacks in the game because no matter how the game goes, either way, the team that is behind is going to be dropping back so much. And I do think the Chiefs can put plenty of pressure on Tom Brady. And we already talked about how much pressure we think the Bucks are going to get on Patrick Mahomes. So we had around 4.2 sacks projected, I believe. Uh, Leone, but I could see us skew it being light there and it's skewing way higher than that. And so I was one that I put in the article uh, already when I published it last week was the over four uh, at plus 100. Uh, Evan, anything on the sacks that you like? We know about the pass rush. We know about the Chiefs offensive line woes. Again, it's if you want to bet the Bucks over, they need to get to three and that's minus 115. If you want to bet Chiefs sacks over, they have to get to two and that's minus 152. Yeah. I just know from doing like sheets uh, you know, like full game prop sheets uh, whether it be in, you know, Las Vegas or, you know, any sports book that they'll often offer like, you know, how many sacks in the game. Right. And so, I mean, anything over like four and a half, I, I really, really like, I mean, I think that like the bucks on their own, could get to four sacks of, of Patrick Mahomes pretty easily. Again, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a lot of drop backs. I think he's going to play well in the game, but I still do think that the, the Bucs are going to be able to take him down a lot. His, his pass protection is not going to be great. Um, you know, I, I I think that four sacks is like a, a like three and a half, like somewhere between like three and three and a half sacks would be like a reasonable mean medium projection but I think that easily he could get to he could get to four or five takedowns on his own, and that's not even including what uh, what Brady you know, how many times Brady could go down. Leona, do you think we're light on four point two sacks in this game, or how do we come up with that number? Why don't you tell the people? Yeah, so it's based on the number of dropbacks, which is really high. So we're taking into account that there's going to be a lot of dropbacks in this game, which I think is right, and that does get us slightly over where the over under is. The reason we don't have it higher is twofold. One, the team's offensive baseline, for lack of a better word, kind of where we expect the offense to be in a neutral spot for sack rates on a game level that generally not always, but generally matters a bit more than the defense's sack rate. And KC and Tampa Bay have, I think the two lowest offensive sack or two of the lowest offensive sack rates in the league. You know, it's both under 4%. Now, where we could be wrong is, you know, we already talked about how great the KC D line played. We've already talked about the KC O line injuries and the Tampa Bay defensive line. You know, we have their baseline at a seven and a half percent sack rate. We're projecting closer to Kansas City's, you know, three point six percent than we are at a Tampa Bay seven percent. So, given the high amount of dropbacks, these numbers sound like small differences, but. Uh, you know, if Tampa Bay has a 6% sack rate in this game, then all of a sudden we're talking three sacks for Tampa Bay alone. So, uh, 
that there's definitely a little bit more room for us to be wrong on there being more sacks, I think, than us and then there being fewer. Yeah, I know we've talked about it. I just want to be clear. Like, this is total geeks off the street situation on the Chiefs offensive line. Like, I mean, if this was a regular season, like the Cowboys, what happened with the Cowboys offensive line is like similar. Like, this would be a full-blown crisis. Now, giving Andy Reid two weeks to prepare for it, I think they'll be okay. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of talent, I mean, they're really, really down to like second and third stringers and borderline NFL players for this game. Okay. The Tom Brady MVP one is one that Taylor brought up earlier in the week. And I thought it was interesting. I actually bet it a little bit and I don't really like bucks plus plus one forty-five very much to win the game, but in the event that they do win the game, you can get Brady plus two ten, And it's hard for me to see outcomes where the bucks win the game and Brady's not the MVP for a few reasons. First of all, you're gonna have to score points to keep up with the chiefs. Like they're, they're not going to win this game with like some low scoring uh, type of deal, I don't think. And so they start scoring a lot of points. How do they score their points? It could be with the running game, but that's going to be split between Rojo and Laren Fournette most likely. So the, I wouldn't consider either of them likely to win MVP. And then in the past game, Antonio Brown's back. Godwin's there. Evans is there. Braid is playing. Gronk is playing. So it's just way less likely that it will be concentrated to one guy. Like we saw Julian Edelman win the MVP a couple of years ago. I know Leone was on that. And uh, it was extremely concentrated. But you could have predicted that before the game that Edelman has a chance at 10, 12 catches. I don't think any of the Bucks guys are because it's not concentrated enough. So instead of betting Bucks plus 145, I think Brady plus 210 to win MVP is better. Obviously, there's some risk there in that. I don't know. Crazy things happen. You know, defensive player scores two touchdowns and he gets MVP or Mike Evans scores three touchdowns and he gets MVP. I just think it's unlikely. And the Brady stuff is. And also, let's be honest, man, the guys voting for for MVP are these like, you know, old white guys who freaking love Tom Brady. I mean, love, love, love Tom Brady. And they will be not hesitated at all to vote for him. So uh, I think Brady plus 210 is better than Bucks plus 145. If you want to go that route. Does that sound crazy to you, Leone, the man who hit the Edelman MVP? I think that sounds right. You know, I almost hit Damien last year on the MVP, but as you said, the voters like to go a certain way, you know, Damien did almost everything he could and still didn't get it. It's really hard for a non-quarterback to win in a game. where I had Damien too, bro, man. If he, if he would have scored that, we we had him at like, he was, what was he? 20, 25 to one, something like that. 25 to one. He did. And he not only was outstanding in the running game and the receiving game, he was amazing as a pass blocker. Mahomes played like shit for three quarters. I was like, and look, you know, the Chiefs came back and won, et cetera, et cetera. But like, you're, you're right. Like Damian Williams could not have done more. And really Mahomes could not have done less. And Mahomes still got it. That, that was super. And it almost like instilled in me the, the idea that not betting or betting on anyone besides a quarterback for, for Super Bowl MVP is almost like a donkey bet. Yeah. I still think if i don't know if you remember that first touchdown kansas city scored damian williams got stopped at like the inch line and then mahomes snuck it in i feel like had damian got in that one uh they would have given it to him but yeah i think there's some scenarios where you can take some shots at a long shot bet but i don't see anyone this year you know last year i was on damian i was on Gurley on the other side uh two years ago with the edelman one i was on edelman on the new england side this year i just don't see it but so it makes sense to bet Brady MVP if you want to bet Tampa Bay to win. That discrepancy is larger than I would have expected. Tampa Bay on the season doesn't have a pass catcher 
above a 20% target share. And that's just in the games they've played, not even, you know, looking at total. So even if you whittle it down to only the games, the receivers individually have played no one above 20%. So really what you're fading is some outlier concentrated game that we just haven't seen out of a receiver or I don't know, some, like you said, a fluke defensive player who would have to score practically twice. I would think even it's going to be one of the quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, okay. That's about all I had. Do you guys have anything we didn't bring up yet that you bet or that you're looking to bet anything like that? Any other props that we didn't mention? No, but I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, like if you're going to bet Brady Super Bowl MVP, which I did. Um, but I, you know, you need a lot of stuff to go right for that. I, I don't have confidence that the Bucks are going to win the game, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But man, you can stack some stuff around that that makes it interesting. And if you can find ways to parlay those, those ideas together, like Brady MVP plus Brady anytime TD, which is like, you know, he sneaks one in, which he's a great, you know, uh, goal line quarterback. That's like plus 450. Uh, the Bucks over to score more than 26 and a half points, which I think is very, very doable. That also would correlate well with Brady winning MVP. And then just the, the Bucks to win outright. And then you, you, you've got yourself a pretty nice parlay. I mean, if you could just build like little, little, you know, little three or four way parlays that all just correlate well together, um, you know, that, that can make the Super Bowl a lot more fun. Yeah. I- One thing too, like, that, you know, when you're betting stuff, make sure to look at the different ways you can bet the same thing. So I'm looking at DraftKings Sportsbook and it's minus 305 for a quarterback to be MVP of the game, but you can bet. Mahomes at minus 106 and Brady at plus 210. I'm pretty sure if you do the math, you're getting way better odds betting them individually to win MVP than you are the minus 305 uh, collectively to win MVP. So just, it seems like, oh, minus 305, I think Corvus can win MVP. That makes sense. But there's actually a better way to bet that exact same thing. Yeah. And last thing I'll say that that nobody wants to hear because it's boring, but it's just, it's just, I mean, the most important, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing is just, you need access to a lot of books if you want to bet props, seriously. And one of the biggest things that we've had success with in NBA is I'm only even looking at two books. I'm only looking at FanDuel and DraftKings, but man, I mean, there's some big discrepancies and when you can find that um, it's typically uh, a good bet. And so, you know, obviously everybody is spreading Super Bowl props and um, that's one reason they're so profitable is you can find a big gap between them uh, and make sure you find the best line. It'll make a huge, huge, huge difference for you. Not just like in your long-term ROI, but just like finding good bets. Like if something is everywhere is three and a half, and then you find one place where it's four, there's a pretty good chance that that place where it's four is just a straight bad line and, and you're getting anything good by betting on that. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed this first ever Establish the Run sports betting extravaganza show. Leave us a note in the comments if you did. We're looking to expand our sports betting coverage for sure. If you guys like this, let us know in the comments. Please subscribe to our YouTube. It is free, of course. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Oh, tomorrow, I will be here. Leone will be here. And making his Establish the Run on-camera debut will be a man who, I mean, I can't believe this, but he's dedicated his life to NFL showdown, one-game slates. I would be hard-pressed to find anybody in the world who has studied NFL showdown harder than Cody Main. He will be making his on-camera debut as we talk about showdown for the Super Bowl tomorrow. I believe it's at 1 p.m. 
Easter will be live on YouTube again. Another free show. Come support Cody. Check out the show. For Evan, for Leone, for Producer Paul, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.